Hello and welcome to a new podcast of Ayas. Um, as you guys know, my name is Olivier. Next to me is uh, Elizabeth Gankowski, uh, David Wiedenhaf, our, uh, our guest Marco Reyes Bernal, and uh, we have someone who is uh, who is here just to look how everything is going. Uh, Victor Sinise from Peru. Welcome, Victor, to the first uh, podcast for you. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course. So this podcast is all going to be about um, our special guest, Marco Reyes Bernal. Uh, Marco is a part of uh, Una Europa. Uh, he has a special position there, which he will, of course, tell you guys more about in a moment. Uh, but first, let, let's introduce you. Uh, let's introduce you. Marco, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, of course, of course. Thank you so much, Oli. Well, my name is Marco Reyes Bernal. I am a student at Jailona University of the Master in International Security and Development. And very specifically in Una Europa, I am the co-chair of the student board and in the student self-government, the plenipotentiary of the president for international cooperation. That's quite the job title, Marco. What does that actually mean, though, in layman's terms? Like, what do you do every day? <laughs> well, the, the, actually, it, it's very complicated. I would say that it's a combination in between uh, the politics from the university when we are talking about an international topic but at the same time, the representation of the alliance, uh, not just from the university, but from all the students that integrate uh, this alliance. And when I'm talking about Una Europa and the alliance, I'm talking about these nine universities that we gather together and that we represent uh, Una Europa. Because this Una Europa was an idea that already was uh, that already existed, or when was it founded? Do you know anything? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Like Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, in the case, it's, it's a, a pretty new alliance of two years and a half. And at the beginning, we started with eight universities, one in Madrid, in Edinburgh, in uh, Berlin, Madrid, Paris, Bologna, and Leuven, and also Krakow. Uh, we started these eight universities together, and we have a very common objective, that is uh, to build up the education of the future. How the education should look in the next five years, in the next, next 10 years. And obviously, we can make a very direct impact in the first half of the 21st century. That's one of our main goals. That sounds really great. And uh, your role, could you maybe uh, elaborate on this? Like, what is your position in, uh, in this? Absolutely. Uh, when we talk about Una Europa, we are talking about two concepts. On one side, we have it, the operation and the delivery. And on the other side, we have the representation. When we talk about delivery and operation, we have the local task forces that are none other thing than just the teams representing the students and implementing projects on the local level related with Una Europa. But when it comes to the representations, every university appoints two students to represent all its uh, academic community at the student board. Therefore, the student board is integrated by 16 students now to, be, to become uh, 18 on, during this year. And these two students fulfill very specific roles within the student board. We have eight students that have positions uh, like, for example, a treasurer, a secretary, Etc. And we have other eight students that have the delegation of the work packages. The work packages are the working groups in which each university provides very specific ideas and develop uh, uh, content uh, that naturally is very related with the European Commission and funded to the, uh, with the Erasmus Plus program. So this is the way the student board uh, works and represents. In my case, uh, I am one of the two co-chairs of the student board. So in my case, not I only represent the students from Jagiellonian University, but the 400,000 students of the Alliance at the Board of Directors and at the General Assembly. 400,000 students represented. 
Yeah, to become more with the new addition of the Netherlands throughout Leiden. I mean, uh, pardon my French here, but holy crap. <laughs> 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 Goodness, Marco. Okay, wow. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you guys have done some events recently and things have really started been picking off. Uh, picking up. Uh, do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Alliance, uh, since the very beginning, it has been implementing lots of projects at the general level of the Alliance. However, this is the first year that the students can participate directly throughout these local task forces that implement projects on a local level, as we commented before. So uh, I can officially say that the task force from Jagiellonian University uh, implemented the first project completely managed and completely administrated, not uh, without the intervention of the official UNE staff and the official staff from Jagiellonian University, but were completely the students, the ones implementing this project. And it was held on the 13th of January at the Auditorium Maximum. And uh, this event was titled uh, Future Unilab, a step closer to the University of Tomorrow. So in this event, uh, we wanted to present uh, certain ideas on certain problems that belong to this work package, which is Future Unilab. As its name says, uh, Future Unilab is a laboratory that is trying to find out solutions for certain problems that were already established in the level of the Alliance. And the most important question here is who were actually the ones uh, implementing these projects? So the Alliance found a group of visionaries and a group of designers, a very collective group of people that comes from multidisciplinary fields. Like, for example, we have artists, we have intellectuals, we have writers, we have professionals uh, with experience on the field. Every profession that you can imagine is gathered in this group of Future Unilab. And all of these experts together, they drafted uh, 18 questions that are equivalent to the 18 challenges that we have when you are trying to implement education on the future. So these questions, four of these questions, very specifically on the topics of instruments, values, sustainability, uh, were the ones that we work in this, uh, this event. So we divided all the attendees. It's also important to mention that this event was addressed uh, to the heads of uh, the student council in the different faculties, student university organizations, research groups, and also research individuals uh, uh, that were developing uh, a very interesting work at the university. So all of them together found and proposed certain solutions using very innovative and very alternative tools, because in the life, sometimes we don't have the resources that we would love to have. However, we need to find and to use the things that we have at our reach and find solutions. So this event was about that, finding solutions for these problems uh, drafted by experts, but in this time, having a proposal from the students. Because uh, talking, um, going a little bit to the resources, because uh, of course you need funding for, for the events, do you get the funding from the European Union then, or is it per university? So does the Jagiellonian University in this case give you the, the money to organize these things? Because you would say Una Europa, a group of multiple universities, or is it from above? Is the European Union, are you directly linked to the European Union? And do you get also the funding from the European Union to do certain activities and to realize your projects? Well, the answer is actually all together. Okay. <laughs> uh, there are different sources of funding. When we are talking about general projects, uh, within Una Europa, we have another big project that is called the One Europe Project. And this project is actually the one that contemplates the participation of the students. And it's represented with something that we call the Project Steering Committee. So this Project Steering Committee sounds very complicated, but is translated into their vice rectors uh, or representatives from each one of the universities at the top level 
that represent the universities in the steering committee and take decision, uh, decisions. So when we're talking about projects and activities that come directly uh, in the level of Uno Europa as, as a whole alliance, we're talking about the funding that is coming from the European Union throughout the European Commission and naturally uh, also throughout the Erasmus Plus program. So we can obtain, obtain funds uh, from there. And for example, in Krakow, we will hold the next student congress on the month of October 2022. Krakow is the hosting uh, university and naturally we're going to receive funding from there. So the one euro project that contemplates the participation of the students is co-funded by the Erasmus Plus uh, program. However, it's not the only source of, of budget. We also have uh, the attributions from each one of the partner universities. So when we are talking about local projects that are implemented by the local task forces, are the universities the ones providing the support? In the case of Jagiellonian University, we have the representation at the Alliance uh, throughout our student councils, Samorjon uh, Studentu. So uh, one part came from Samorjon Studentu to, to pay for this, that is the, the student self-government. And also uh, there is budget directly coming uh, from, from the alliance, from the administration. So one section of the administration provided the funds, for example, for the catering. Uh, the catering that was served this, that day uh, was uh, completely covered by the university. So this, in the case of Jagiellonian University, we have these three levels of, of, of funding. Right, that makes, uh, that makes total sense, of course. Um... I, I just I'm sitting here thinking like this is probably the most international international relations student project or a thing that you could probably be involved in that I've ever heard of. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like if you want to be an international relations student and then, you know want a good example of what people do with it, this is it right there. You know, it creating a you know multinational interdisciplinary uh, coalition of universities. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> And let's hope that it continues developing, in, especially in this year. Many new yeah. universities are also coming along. Because you said that Lady University will, yeah. uh, will join as well. Very cool. Yeah, Very already nice. joined. Okay. Uh, just they, 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 they have to, uh, to, to define certain administrative aspects, as, as it always works like that. But they are already part of the alliance. So now we are nine. So I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, on behalf of everyone that's listening right now, that... Uh, if somebody wanted to get involved, if a student in like another at another university uh, wanted to get involved, what would they have to do? Uh, for example, uh, students from other universities? Yeah, let's say yeah. students from a uh, university that are part of uh, Una, Una Europa okay. already, or maybe even students that want mm -hmm. their university to join. Oh, well, uh, there are two types of participation. One that it co when it comes directly with the participation of the students and when it comes with the involvement directly of other universities. So when we talk about the direct involvement of the students, there are two levels of, of participation. In the student board, we manage something that we call the general task force, different from the local task forces, that these ones respond directly to the student board and implement projects in which the people participating, drafting the projects, the project framework, implementing all the logistics, etc., uh, are students coming from these nine universities. So this general task force gathers students and participants from all these nine partner universities. So they can participate directly and implement projects on the level of the alliance. But the second layer of participation comes with these local task forces in which uni each university has one local task force that responds and address the very specific needs of 
each one of the universities. Because certainly we're talking about an alliance that gathers nine universities, but at the very same time, each one of these alliances is completely different, is diverse, multiculturally speaking, is completely vibrant. So naturally, there are very specific needs on these universities that need to be addressed throughout a local task force. So when the students would like to implement projects and would like to get involved into in Europa, is uh, the board representative. Uh, the one launching uh, a call for the students to be part also of the local task forces because every local task force responds directly to their board uh, representative and thereafter to the student board. And when it comes to the general participation of the universities, well, there are, uh, there are many negotiations on this matter. Uh, for example, in the case of, the, of, of Leiden from, from the Netherlands, it was a university that was participating already as an advising university uh, towards the alliance, but they were not uh, a part per se of the, uh, the alliance until uh, this uh, January 13th, the very same day that we organized the event at, at Uyot, they It was also official and we published their, their inclusion as part of the, of the alliance as well. So it depends on each university they would like to participate. Naturally, they need to draft a proposal, a plan, and obviously, obviously it's not just like uh, in the content of project, but also in the content of budget because each one of these universities need to apport a budget and funding to become members of the alliance. So it's divided into parts, the projects, and as you know, the budget is also a fundamental part. Absolutely. Uh, sounds like, like really great. I just wonder, uh, what are you also working towards? You talked about the university, the University of Europe. Uh, how should I picture this to myself? A university where you, for example, do one semester in Krakow, the next one in Leuven, the next one in Leiden, then, then one in Madrid uh, on one program? Or how should I picture this to myself? Like, what is, your, what is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is actually to uh, build up a virtual campus in which all these universities can coexist. Then the students will have the possibility not just to go on Erasmus years and spend a semester on this university, but actually obtaining degrees that are backed up by each one of these universities. And I can give you a very specific example. Uh, we just received the accreditation of our first uh, bachelor in uh, European Studies, BICE, we call it, we call it. And it's the first bachelor that was already um, already received an accreditation to start working. So probably this year or the next year, we're going to start uh, this recruitment of the students that are going to study this bachelor. So they will have the opportunity to study, for example, uh, every semester in a different university. But the most important part is that their title degree is going to say, is going to co contemplate nine universities. So this is something very interesting because we are talking about very prestigious universities that are providing the same degree. So this, I would say that when we talk about this virtual campus and Una Europa, we are talking about an Erasmus Plus program, but this remasterization of this program, because it goes further. That sounds fantastic. I mean, I think everybody would love to have on their <laughs> diploma different universities, and uh, it's some kind of an no. emphasis of your of your degree of uh, that you really earned it. If you, I mean, if eight univers uh, universities say that you that you deserve this degree, then it should be true, right? Yeah, that, nobody can question. <laughs> nobody can question, question it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, imagine, imagine sitting down at a, a holiday for the family dinner, like, oh, what what university did you get your degree from? Be like, well, uh, here's the list. Start the list. <laughs> 
Exactly. Where's your degree from? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's really cool. That's amazing. Exactly. Maybe also interesting to know, uh, you, you, told me about, you told us about this Congress uh, that's taking place in October. You had one before in Madrid, right? In the beginning, uh, mm -hmm. the end of, uh, in the autumn of, of previous uh, mm -hmm. year, 2021. Um, for whom is this accessible? Is it for all the students? Is it for all the people that are uh, assigned to, to Una Europa? Uh, who can participate or who can go in this event at, uh, at UJ in, in, autumn, in the autumn? Well, actually, this is a very interesting question and is it still not defined at least for this, for this year. Due to the COVID restrictions, naturally, not all the students, unfortunately, can participate uh, stationary. However, yesterday we held a very important meeting with the project officer in which actually this was one of the main topics to discuss. How is going to be in the next Congress? Is it going to be hybrid that the students can participate stationary, obviously selected students, but also they selected the students, how they are going to be appointed? If, if, they, if there is going to be like a general call or recruitment for them or how it's going to work? And the second question, uh, it's going to be possible that the students that do not participate stationary maybe follow the Congress online. So these two questions are still to be defined. Uh, naturally, we need to take into consideration that we would like to have all make it accessible to all the UNE students. And when I, I am talking about the UNE students, I'm talking about the students of these nine universities. All of you, if you are part of Yale University, automatically you are UNE students. So we would like to make it accessible, but at the same time, we understand that when we talk about future UNILAB, as you already participated in this event, some of these activities, the only way to perform them yeah. are stationary, in person. So we require people attending the Congress. So, so far, the first proposal consists of sending six students from each one of these partner universities that are going to come to Krakow. But as I commented before, there is still pendant how these students are going to be appointed. Uh, and also, we would like to actually increase the number of the students that can participate from six, maybe to 12. But this is still a, an, a proposal that we need to deal with the project steering committee. Of course, because yeah, if you if you have a too big group, of course it will get inefficient at one point, yeah. especially when you have a stationary exactly. setting. Yeah, well, not. Uh... David, you have something on your mind. Uh, I was just <laughs> yeah, I was just laughing. I was thinking, uh, oh, uh, I mean, maybe uh, COVID restrictions by then will be gone, and we'll go the way of Boris Johnson and just get rid of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Yeah, that guy is in uh, is in deep uh, S H I T right now. <laughs> Can't say these things on public radio. Yeah, yeah from bring your own booze parties to to secret birthday parties. Uh, I uh, I lost count of um, of the things that that are. To be clear, that's there. not things that we do here on the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely no. not. I never thought about it. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Um, do you guys uh, maybe have some, uh, uh, Liz and, and Victor, do you have maybe anything you would yeah, like to, to ask? Comments, concerns. Because have you, have you, I'm curious, have you guys heard no, about Una Europa? Sure. I'm, I'm part of the, <laughs> the same organization and I have talked. So, so tell us a little bit about your experience then. Like, well, it's like? difficult for me to, to get along with all the activities and sometimes it's also, um, uh, pro problematic to get along with, with all the time scheduling because I'm part of the operations. But it's, all, it's very encouraging to work with, with such a, a big project, I think, and Mark is doing a great job, but 
I'm curious, what, since when more or less you've been part of Uno Europa and how did you get to the position you are right now? Well, uh, it, it, well, uh, there is something uh, to explain here. Uh, I was already involved in directly in Uno Europa since I was the chairman of, of SIAD, so we started a collaboration with the mobility uh, committee that belongs directly to the executive board of, of San Morgan Student Tube, the mm -hmm. students of government. So in that moment is when I started to collaborate with them, and in that moment it was the chairwoman of the mobility committee, the one representing uh, Yagirona University at the Alliance. So that's when I started to propose uh, certain pro projects for to be implemented at Jailone University and obviously with the company, with a company of, of, the, of the organization that I was chairing in that moment. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it comes to being selected there, uh, it's fundamental to understand that each university has its own ways of appointing the representatives at the, at the student board. When we talk about Madrid, Bologna, uh, Paris, uh, Krakow, naturally, uh, we are talking about a representation from the student self-government. In the case of, or the student councils, Leuven as well. So in order to become a representative at the student board, you need to have a mandate of representation. So the main distinction of the representation of the student government comes in three different levels. The representation at the level of the faculties, the representation at the level from the faculties at the level of the university, and the national and international representation that belongs directly to the executive board of the student self-government. So certain, uh, it's a requirement at Jagalone University that first you need to have a mandate of, of national and international representation of the student self-government in order to become a representative at the student board. So in this case, in, 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 besides from being the co-chair of the student board, first, I was a planning potentiary for international cooperation, so therefore I, am, I have a mandate to represent the university nationally, internationally. And the second board member, which is Isabella Shimchak, is the head of the mobility committee. So she also has a mandate of representation. And the two of us, we are the ones uh, appointed by the students of the government, by the executive board, to represent at the alliance. Such a very big structure to keep in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Marco, you almost sound like you've been talking about this before. You know, you've you, you had a little bit of practice explaining this to people. It's very good. It comes off very smooth, very clean. I like it. I think that's a, that he, he got these questions a lot of times already. Because <laughs> you, 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 how many people are in, right now in your team, are right now here at UJ uh, working with you? Uh, my team already are, we are closing a second round of recruitment with 50 students that are part of my local task force. That is amazing. So I yeah I assume you've told this story already more than 50 times. <laughs> yes, I mean it's normal that sometimes you receive these questions for the students, and I'm very sometimes very funny emails to be honest. And I commented this a lot of time because we receive like questions like hey hey yeah what's up. Uh, what's Una Europa about? <laughs> and obviously you need to reply to the email. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes it's about uh, summarizing the most important information for the students to understand. Because I would say that this is one of the challenges at all the universities we have right now, that everyone has heard about Una Europa, but not many students or most of the students doesn't really know what is it about, and most importantly, how they can participate. I understand. And Maybe it's also actually interesting to ask, because um, you are from Mexico, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you, because a lot of people might be wondering, how did this Mexican <laughs> guy get here in Poland, in Krakow, at a university, and is right now 
doing things uh, in cooperation with the European Union, basically. <laughs> international uh, relations. International, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you you could. How, how did you get here? Um, to, to, okay, well, it's a really long story. Uh, when it comes to Krakow. Tell us your deepest secrets of childhood. <laughs> <laughs> what was your trauma to get to Poland? <laughs> to end up in Poland. Every, yeah. every superhero has a trauma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I would say that first of all, uh, when I came to Poland, uh, honestly, I was not planning to stay. Uh, for me, it was just come to study my master's degree because naturally, when I read the content of the master, I, I became really interested on, on, on it. That it was this combination uh, of security and devel development, but neither one nor the other completely. It was a hybrid. It's a really master. good master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, of course, what can I say? I, I really enjoy it. And of course, like many diverse opinions, it depends on every perspective from the student. But at least in my experience, uh, when I read the content, I, I, I felt automatically drawn to, to it. So, but I would say that I was not really familiar with Poland. And, and obviously, I, I, before coming to study here, I was never in Poland before. So um, when I came here, I remember very well that the first two weeks I was like, okay, maybe this time you went too far. Because certainly, <laughs> yeah, the culture is different. Everything looks very, very different. And I remember very well that I was taking an, an Uber and traveling to, to the first uh, Airbnb in this Philippa Street in the center. Mm -hmm. But in the night was completely dark or completely uh, without lights. And, and, and I thought like, oh, it looks very different. <laughs> so um, uh, it was like my first impression of the city. But what I can tell you, is throughout, throughout all the time, I started to become in love with the, with the Polish culture and with the Polish people to the point in which I'm planning to stay. And as I said, I never planned to do it, but the way in which I started to become more familiar with the culture, with these people, with the great history that Krakow has, because after all, as many people already know, uh, the difference between Krakow and, and Warsaw is that this city is completely originally preserved. Krakow was completely rebuilt after the Second World War. So the other way was, around, you mean? Uh, Warsaw, yeah, exactly. was, uh, Warsaw yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Exactly. So in the case of Krakow, we can see all the ages, all the centuries represented, and this continuous story that was never interrupted. So when we talk about Mexico, we are talking about uh, two periods of time. The, the uh, uh, great civilization, at least uh, before the Spanish conquista, the, the Aztec Empire. But we see like a stop in, in the story, like everything stopped in the moment and changed completely in this period of colonization. And then we are having the, the, the new story that was having this European Spanish influence. But that's exactly the main difference and something that really got my attention, the history, the architecture, the culture. And then I started to realize that between the Polish and Mexican culture, there are lots of similarities. Many people would think that it's uh, starting because we have the same religion or we are predominantly uh, Catholic countries. But I would say that even the traditions, the, value, the values, the way in that the morals are perceived in the families is very similar sometimes. So naturally, when I started to get familiar with the country, I started to feel home to the point that I consider it my home right now and that I have a really good match and a really good understanding with the Polish communities. That's fantastic. The only thing maybe that's missing for you, but you, you are going to learn, right? Polish, I'm, the language. Do uh, you know what? I understand a lot. I already understand a lot of Polish, but I cannot reply. So I was always joke about it that I feel like a dog, that I understand what the people <laughs> are saying to me, but I cannot reply. But I presume that if I start to, to learn Polish, it's going to change. 
definitely not an easy language to learn, but <laughs> uh, it, I would say it is well worth it here just because whenever whenever you even try, people really start, you know, they light up and they really open up to you and they're like, oh, hey, hey don't worry, don't worry. It's, you know, it, it's, it's hard, but, you know, but the, the, the effort to learn the Polish language is always, always, always appreciated. And, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, Absolutely. Like even even me uh, we can do like have a nice weekend can can bring it can bring a smile to someone's face. So you know, as a foreigner, they don't expect they don't expect. I don't know. Maybe uh, Victor, Liz, is any one of you learning uh, learning Polish? I'm learning Polish. You're learning I'm Polish. Sorry, I'm taking Polish, and it's very difficult. Well, we all speak Spanish as the first language, and it's very you know we don't have the, the questions on uh, cases like genitive, instrumental, and dominative. We don't have that in Spanish, but what. I think you said that um, whenever you speak to Polish to someone, to someone who is local, it really bring, brings up smiles to their faces. I remember there is a lady in the Jabka near the place I live. Uh, she's always mad, or she's not, not every not, not every time enjoying what, she, what she's doing. But the time I say Vesovic Stiont, I think it's Merry Christmas, where her face completely changed. And I think she said to you as well, maybe she. It was not very happy to hear that. Maybe she yelled at you and you did that. I like to think that she was happy, okay? So that, that, that makes a difference even in your daily life experience. Yeah. Absolutely. And what about you, uh, Liz? Um, I'm not taking Polish, but I, I want to learn it. And I know a few phrases. So I've gone to the store a couple times and, like, we'll try and order it or, like, at a restaurant, try and order it. And then they ask me a question and I'm just like, oh, I, I don't know. I knew the question, <laughs> but I, I can't answer it further. <laughs> Because I, I thought in the in the in the past that you had like Polish heritage, but you're Slovak uh, from heritage, uh, right? Uh, yeah, technically, but I'm just I'm oh. pretty solid American. <laughs> <laughs> many years ago. So maybe. no Slav Slovak language, uh, nothing hidden in there. <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> For me, one of the funnest things about Krakow is uh, being able to walk down the street or sit down at a cafe. And, you know, I, I personally love people watching, but for me, it's really cool to, like, you sit in the town square and you just, you hear all the different languages as everybody's walking by. You know, you're hearing Spanish, you're hearing French, you're hearing Italian. Uh, yeah, of course, you hear lots of Polish, you hear some Ukrainians, some Russians. And uh, it's, it's very, very, very interesting to me seeing such a, um, like, so many different people from so many different places, like, finding new jobs here, finding new work here. And then also at the same time in this very, very ancient, you know, medieval city. So you're sitting in the shadow of a castle enjoying your, you know, your modern, like, you know, arrow press, you know, cappuccino, whatever. And then, you know, you're listening to like, a, a, you know, an Italian guy, a Spanish guy and a French guy and a German guy argue over whose wine is better. You know, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Because then I wonder, Marco, what do you, uh, you, you, you love your, you feel very integrated already here in the Polish culture. You're very, uh, you feel very um, familiar with the culture uh, right now. But what do you miss the most, would you say, of Mexico then? Oh, definitely the food. <laughs> I miss I expected this answer. <laughs> I would say that sounds cliche, but it's the truth. And is there a place here in Krakow that comes close to what you get at home? Yes, there is actually, there is one food truck, David... Uh, Tio Malo? Tio Malo. <laughs> yeah. That is close, is, is the closest uh, Mexican food that I have found, but still. There are many, lots of differences, but it's closer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for, for people who don't know it, it's the one at uh, Kupnica Street, street of, uh, for people who study here, uh, uh, the street of Auditorium Maximum. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> 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 
awesome. I think we'll, we'll send him an email after this episode with the link. <laughs> uh, seriously, like, uh, for me, uh, you know, uh, growing up in um, you know the southern states of America, um, you know, uh, there was lots and lots of Latino influence in like Florida food and stuff like that, and you know most of my friends were you know either Latino or descendants of Latinos, and I just I miss that food so much <laughs> everywhere I go in the world. I'm just like, please, please, can I find it? It's always disappointing. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so obviously you miss the Mexican food and that authenticity, um, but is there some kind of like Polish cuisine or anything that you've come to really enjoy? Yes, definitely. I, I really love and uh, I have a very good friend of mine. Her name is Martina, uh, that we always joke about Rosuf. Because I became a fan of, of, of Rossov. Uh, but they are always telling me, like, no, 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 you need to try the good Rossov, the original from the villages, from the other, o- other small places in, in Poland, not the one in Krakow. And also, to be honest, pierogies. I really love pierogies, mm. the ones made by, uh, of, of, of meat. I really love them. And there are some places that I, I, uh, I always visit and, and I come frequently to it. Yeah. Absolutely. I... Um... I agree with uh, with the pierogi. Rosso for me is also I I I mean Rosso for me is a soup that's good, but it's not for me special. For me, it's jurek. Absolutely, especially the ones that are served in bread with a sausage, the potatoes in there. Ah, it's so good. I, before uh, we make even more commercial, I can recommend you a, <laughs> a place. Fishing for sponsors. Morski Oko Plachtepinski. If you hear us. <laughs> do you guys have any, uh, because you brought up the question uh, list, do you have something in specific about Polish food that you like? Um, I don't. I, I agree with you. I'm mostly about pierogies. There's, those are like a solid go-to thing. So uh, I think you're you're pretty spot on with that one. <laughs> and Victor, I like jurek and jurek and pierogies and some as well. So I think we're on the same stage. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, good appreciation for uh, for Polish food. Marco, if there's is there anything you want the entire world to know for the rest of history, it will go down forever. Say it now. Yeah. Um, well, good question. I would say that, uh, no, I, it's, it's just an invitation to all the students that uh, become more familiar with Europa. Definitely, there is a lot of potential on all the activities and in all the knowledge that they can get. But also, I would say that when we're talking about the students, we are talking about the possibility to network. And I always repeat this to many of, my, of, of the students that belong to my local task force, that in this life, you could become the most uh, skillful and knowledgeable uh, professional. But if you don't have the right connections, your life, your professional path is going to be become very difficult. Limited. So, exactly, yeah. very limited. So it's about networking. And uh, one of the main attractions of this alliance is the possibility to network with people from nine uh, different universities that are not just coming from those countries. For example, when you were mentioning this about uh, be, me being Latin American, it's also that, that happens in the student board that uh, many student board members are from Greece, uh, from uh, Turkey, other countries that are not... Uh, well, in the case of Turkey, there is like um, 
a, a more direct situation. But there are many countries that historically were never considered part of Europe or are not part of Europe, but still they are participating there. So it's not just nine universities that are coming from these countries. These universities have a very international flag. And it's also the case of Jair University. So this is the opportunity to also interact and to contrast ideas with people from all over the world. Because after all, Europe has always been a light of hope for the entire world. Many important aspects of our art, of our history are coming from Europe. So we would like to see a more uh, a developing Europe that every time provides a lot to the world. Amen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't say it better. That's yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, great. So yeah, and and recommendation for everyone. Uh, listen, listen, good to the story. If 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 you like uh, the concept of uh, of Una Europa, uh, contact Marco. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. Really quick question, mm -hmm. lighthearted questions. If you could be any sandwich, what would you be? Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I would say that I will have a, a, some some part of pate, okay, <laughs> fried okay. pate. I mm. also would include a gouda cheese oh, and the a, Dutch element. <laughs> <laughs> also olives. Olives, oh, okay. Yeah, mm. some olives, and probably uh, some charcuterie. So this this mm. sounds like a like a new sandwich that we're having to invent here. That sounds amazing. We'll call it the Marco special. Yeah, the Marco special. <laughs> absolutely. Marco, may we thank you very very much for your time and for your explanation you. <laughs> and um yeah good luck with all the activities uh good luck with the start of the of your new semester because uh yeah of course your time uh, i won't ask you about your thesis no worries <laughs> no, no 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 please not <laughs> not thesis tonight <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh i just want to wish you a lot of luck uh, in a new semester um with una europa at the student council and uh, once again thank you very much David, Liz, uh, Victor, thank you very much. And uh, to you listeners as well, of course. And uh, have a great weekend already. Thank good you. Night, everyone. And good thank night. You. <laughs>